0: Welcome to this panel session. Are we excited to be here? I can't hear the noise. Are we excited to be here? All right, so you're welcome to this panel session, and it's going to be an interesting one hour conversation on matters regarding national development and how we can all play a part to deliver a better nation for ourselves. So, the theme for this session is the development equation shaping Nigeria's future, and I have with me here today a a number of thought leaders across different industries, from the private sector to the media and communication industry, uh, to the financial services, who will be sharing insights with us today about you know uh, how we can all play a part towards creating a better ni- future for Nigeria in this new decade. All right. Uh, so very quickly, I'll just give you an overview of the organizer for this uh, event. It's the Global Shapers Community Lagos Hub. It's an initiative of the World Economic Forum. There are over 7,000 hubs across the across the world that are focused on driving change in the community through dialogue and action. And uh, Global Shapers Community Lagos Orb is delighted to welcome you here to this session today. So very quickly, I'm just going to call our panel speakers to the stage and so that we can get the conversation started, because I know you can't wait any further, right? We can't wait, right? I need a bit of energy. We can't wait, right? All right. So very quickly, I'm going to be starting with... Uh I'm going to be calling to the stage uh, A.O.J., she's the head strategy and investor relations for Union Bank. She joined Union Bank in January 2014 to support the bank's overall transformation and strategy execution. With 10 years of experience spanning strategy development, innovation, design, and execution, uh, she's responsible for driving the bank's overall strategy and investor relations initiatives. Over the years, she has been instrumental to driving organizational growth through strategy digital and innovation. I can hear a lot of strategy in this profile. Yes, you can sit there. So I'm very sure we're going to be getting a lot of strategic insights on what we can do uh, to create a better future for ourselves. Also, uh, I'm going to be calling to the stage uh, the curator for the global Shippers community, Lagos Up, Adeonju Folari. He's a tech enthusiast with a track record of superior performance in conceptualizing and implementing business strategy to motivate his team for success. He's currently a strategist at the mobile financial service team at MTN, the largest telco company in Africa is the creator of Lagos Up, once again. OK, uh, finally, uh, we have Adebola Williams, a Nigerian media entrepreneur, journalist, and political activist. is a co-founder and CEO of Red, home of several well-known brands, including the Future Awards Africa, Why Niger, Craft, amongst others, and is ably represented here today by his chief of staff, Remi Ogunkayo. Please, a round of applause for him as he comes for us to the stage. I would say, like, they say it in church. The faster you clap, the faster it comes to the stage. All right. Okay. Interesting. All right, thank you very much, Remy, Aa, uh, and Yoju. It's so good to have you guys here today. And I'm really, really looking forward to learning from you know, leaders like you, from the strategy, to the operations, to media and communication, how can we really leverage on all those areas to drive real change for Nigeria and Africa in this new decade. This is 2020, and by 2050, Africa is going to be, you know, uh, is going to have about 2.4 billion people living in this continent. We have to be more intentional about how we're going to create jobs, about how we're going to create services for this large number of people that will join the population. So very quickly, I'm just going to start and uh, just show a quick question to all of you. So the way this is going to work is for the next 40 minutes, I'm going to ask you questions at intervals. And then if we have any interesting points, we can always take it. If you have any questions, you can just write them down. At the end of the session, we're going to be coming back to you for about 15 to 20 minutes for us to be able to interact with our speakers. So very quickly, I'm going to start with AE. Uh, Did I get that correctly? AE. AE. Okay. so what are your thoughts on the development space in Nigeria uh, from your own experience working in the private sector?
1: Thank you for that. Good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. First time being at Social Media Week on this side, so on the panel. So, thank you for having me. So, on the development space in Nigeria, right, um, a few days ago, we saw in the news that GDP grew by about 2.3% in 2019. And this is compared to around 1.9% the previous year. So, that was a good, good, good way to start the week. We were very excited that that happened. But digging deeper, you'll find that the economy is still fragile, right? The recovery is still very, very fragile, and we're very reliant on the oil sector. So if there's any shake in oil prices, you can see what's going on with coronavirus and how that has impacted oil prices. So you'd find that we're very susceptible to changes around oil prices. So it's important that we diversify away from oil so that we can become a more sustainable economy going forward. On the people front, um, our population is growing very, very fast. For example, we're growing by a rate of about 3%, and this is actually faster than the economic growth, which is a problem because it means that people are getting poorer and poorer every day. So, for example, the UN has said that close to 90 million people are living in poverty today, extreme poverty today, so that's cause for concern, because if we're growing fast and GDP is slower, then it means people are getting poorer, so that's something that we all need to be worried about. On the infrastructure front, we know about the roads, congested, uh, we know about the real network. We to also figure out how to solve the logistics challenge that we have, because that impacts how we move around people and goods and services. Um, on the security front, we're also seeing issues there. Uh, we know the issues around Boko Haram, farmer um, herder clashes, um, kidnappings and armed robbery that's on the, on the rise. So I think these are areas that we need to really find solutions to, to move the nation forward. I think having said all this, it sounds like there's a lot to do. I think there's a lot of opportunities and potential. So I think that that's why we're here today, essentially, to talk about practical solutions to solve these problems to move Nigeria forward. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much for that very insightful uh, answer. So very quickly, I'm going to go to Remy, because she had made a point, mention of the fact that uh, you know, the, the economy is not growing fast enough and she also mest- mentioned quite a number of issues that we are facing in the country from the security angle to the jobs creation and all that and there's one key point that i can deduce from that which is policy right so what's what's impact using policy play in what impact do you think policy will play in creating this shaping the future of nigeria as we go forward from your experience in the media and communication industry because we know it plays a very very important role in, in this
2: i mean theoretically you can say that policy plays a very big role But anybody who's running a business will know that you can have all the strategies in the world, you can have all the ideas, if you do not implement what you have in your head, it doesn't work. And that's where the rubber meets the road in Nigeria. We tend to have all these... If you go to any ministry, anything, you'll see there's a plan that is in place. Nobody's implementing that plan, and that's that's where the problem is. Because people don't want to take responsibility for things that they say they they are to do. When they come to us to ask for a vote, they say they're going to do X, Y, Z. When they get in there, everybody disappears. And that's where the problem is. So you can have all these policies. You can have... We are not short of brilliant people. We are not short of brilliant policies. We are short of people who have the um, commitment to implement what they say they want to do. So, as a follow-on question, before I
0: come to your you, I'm just going to throw this to you. Uh, one of the major issues that we also have in the country is the fact that a lot of people, like majority of Nigerians, have, have lost trust in our institutions. In our, you know, so right now, when you even go to votes, people don't really believe that the leaders are going to deliver on what they're going to do based on the historical that we've had from past leaders. You know, so what impact, or how can we use media and communication to shape this, to change this? Because we, uh, one of the one of the things we're focused on with this panel is how can we take active steps towards changing this problem that we currently have? So from your own experience as a leader, you know, driving pol- uh, political communications campaign across West Africa and the other part of, of, of the continent, how can we use media and communication to change this perception, to change this uh, particular problem that we have?
2: Again, I'm going to sound like the pessimist here, but you can't... Unless a people decide that they've had enough, you can drum it in, say we have to do this, we have to do X, we have to do Y, we have to do this. If the people don't decide within themselves that we are going to hold people responsible when they when they when they get into office, then you would have all kinds of campaigns. They would look successful. People would be engaged. You have, and I'll use an example. Um, the government of Lagos made a restriction, and you can have all kinds of communication to say we don't like this, we don't like that, we don't. But the way politicians are, or the way human beings are, except there's a repercussion for an action, they will continue to take those actions. That's just how human beings are. So the job for us is to leave the place of apathy and decide to be active. So when, when people get into office, we ensure that we hold their feet to the fire. Before they get, to the, before they get into office, we ensure that we vote in the right people, even when we don't believe. We have to keep doing the hard work if we want something to happen. That's just how it's going to be. Thank you
0: very much. So I'm going to come to you, because you're the leader of a op that is focused on galvanizing young people across the country you know, to drive change. So what would you say uh, is the way forward from your own experience in development space? What, where are we currently, and what can we do to get to that next level that we want to, to get to?
3: Right, thank you. I'll just ride on what you just said. Um, I think we've gotten to the phase where we need to be responsible so as citizens to take you know, action to address um, the challenges we found you know, around us and especially in our communities. And um, I'll be speaking from you know, what we do as a community of uh, young, aspiring people that have chosen to not just complain, sincerely there are a lot of challenges and you know, there's always the temptation for you to just see them and keep complaining without knowing that in the little space that I am in, there's actually something I can do to address it. And as Global Shapers community, that's what we do. So we um, identify those challenges and, I mean, we just leverage the little bit of influence that we have, the little bit of you know, advantage you have, either based on uh, our skills, and um, just look out for what is it exactly that we can do to address those things. And I mean, we have different approach. Uh, One of the approach majorly, like the the big picture approach, is to influence policy. But we know uh, influencing policy is not as easy as it may sound. So, you want to influence policy. What is the easy way to achieve that? Why not have like a a a test case sample that can that shows you know what you hope to achieve with a policy? So that is the approach of the global shapers community. So we identify the challenge. There's a bigger picture of, oh, there's probably a policy that can help to address this. But why not let's do a small uh, case project to actually defend it? And I mean probably that can um, help to push it. Like yesterday, um, within a group, um, I was sharing um, a news from, I think, New Zealand or somewhere in Europe, where the government is going to be... um, Sponsoring is it the uh, was it the sanitary part for for women? So the government is sp- sponsoring that, spending money on that. I remember the Global Shepherds Community last two years. Um, we did a project called NPL Poverty, and the aim of the p- project is to speak about this because we know uh, sanitary parts for, for girls, especially, very expensive. And I mean, we know they say Nigeria is the headquarter of. Uh, in the world. Yeah, so we have a lot of young girls that can't even afford that. And the hope, the hope for us is to be able to drive that. And what has been done in that country, in Europe, see something like that, you know, being achieved in Nigeria. But how can you push that? Why not just do, you No, know, we had a small project where we, we gave out parts for free uh, to some girls um, in a community, on all our community in, in Lagos. You know, so that, that is the approach. You know, we do a small project a small sample of what it is that we want to push. And I mean, we just do it and helps advocacy. So you can easily go to um, the leaders in the space and say, we believe this should be the approach to addressing this challenge. And we've done something that shows and proves that this will work. I mean, we have quite a number of uh, initiatives like that, probably as the discussion goes on. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you very much for that. Uh, so we should be looking forward to the, or pushing a policy like that going forward, because I think that would have a lot of impact you know, in areas, especially in underserved communities, where the income, the average income, is even lower than you have in metropolitan exactly. cities like Lagos. Very quickly, I'm going to come to A, and uh, I'm just going to ask this question. So from the private sector angle, right? So he already mentioned what the Orb is doing as a social enterprise towards solving that problem. What are you doing in your own space, in your, your company you're representing, and you? Uh, what are you guys doing towards helping to drive the numbers, you know, to a more, more comfortable uh, place. So you could just give us an overview of
1: that. Okay, so I mean I think that a lot of the growth needs to be private sector led, right? We can't I should I don't think we should consi- con- um, significantly rely on the government. So for example, analyzing the budget, you'll find that every Nigerian only has about five thousand naira to cater for education, infrastructure, security, so it's not enough. So I think we all need to come together as private sector to actually change Nigeria. And at Union Bank, we're obviously in the private sector, we're doing a lot. So for example, CSI, Citizenship Sustainability and Innovation, is at the core of our business, is at the core of what we do. So we've identified certain um, SDGs that are synergistic to our business operations so that they align very, very closely to them. So for example, around SDGs 1 to 2, um, no poverty, um, um, zero hunger. We're basically supporting families. So, for example, over the last three years, we've been able to empower 34,000 families with our union care bags. And what that does is that it provides them some source of livelihood for the family, right? So, we do this every single year. and We have volunteers who go to cities and communities in the rural areas to help them be more productive. On the education front, we have our EdTech platform, our Edu360 platform, rather, which we basically host every year. We started in 2018. And last year, we had over 7,000 people attend the event. And what that does is to bring together stakeholders within the education sector. We have people in the government, schools, um, parents, teachers, coming into the room to say, you know, how can we move education forward? Because it starts with us, right? We also had the Minister of State for Education. We had the Deputy CBN Governor Aisha Amar. So we were discussing real practical solutions that we then left the room saying that we would actually follow up to make sure that what we've suggested actually gets action and we come back again at the next Edge 360 Platform to report progress. Because beyond formal education, you also need to talk about vocational training, skill enhancement, technical skills. So what we've done here is, again, partner with people who are passionate about meeting these goals. So for example, we have Mama Moni who launched uh, an innovation hub in Amour and what she's doing is empowering people or women in low-income communities to figure out how they can learn skills around hairdressing, photography, fashion designing, so that they can themselves become more productive and leave themselves and their families out of poverty. So last year, we were able to support 60 women to launch SMEs, and basically, they've gone on to leave themselves out of poverty and even become employers of labor going forward. Um, lastly, I'll talk about the community, right? I, I think we're very, very sensitive to how our business operations affect the community and, and, our, and our nation. So one thing we're big on is sustainability. So today, we have close to 40% of our branches that are solar-enabled. solar, panel, solar, solar enabled. And so our, our, our branch in phase one, for example, is half solar-powered. So that's something that we're really, really keen on. So close to 40% of our branches are solar-enabled. Um, again, recycling is another thing we're big on because of the impact of waste on the environment. And we're recycling waste from about 30% of our branches today. So we're talking. We're actually bringing people together to discuss these problems. We're also putting our money where our mouth is.
0: Thank you very much for that. Uh, I'm going to be coming to Remy, and I know that Red is one of the leaders in, this, in the in the in the media space in Nigeria and even in Africa. And you have, you have quite a lot of experience with young people now. For Nigeria, our most potent resource is actually not oil; it's the people. You know that we have and our leaders have to see that that's something going forward how can we enhance this resource that we have so that we can be more competitive going forward uh from your experience working with young people how can we galvanize young people to be more active in the areas of governance how can we galvanize more people more young people to be more active in putting you know checks and balances to basically put their to, to make their government accountable to what they say they will do because like you mentioned earlier one of the problems is that people Get to position of power, and then they don't deliver, and they feel there are no re- repercussions. And one of the things we have seen with the advent of technology and social media over the past few years is that there's been a, an increase in, in, in there's been an increase in the, in the drive for accountability. But how can we take it to a, a level that is higher than what it currently is now to drive real change, to drive changes in policies like like Andrew mentioned, policies that will actually affect the lives of millions of Nigerians and bring people from poverty to a better place.
2: I think the first thing I would say is, if anybody knew the answer to to that question, then Nigeria would have gone forward. So, well, maybe people know and they've not told us. Um, But more importantly, the way life works is about reward systems. People go to work every day because they're going to get paid. The The real test of it is, how can you create a reward system for people when um, for taking or holding people to account. Let's take, for example, the answers. It's affecting young people. You are making a lot of noise about it. Um, if people see that we made all this noise, and we took an action, and then this thing w- was stopped, then it telegraphs to the brain that if I do more of this, then the things I don't like are going to change. That's possibly the way it's going to work. So. What we need to do is we need to ensure that the test cases that, of things that are very important to us we ensure that we get to a conclusion that solves that particular problem. And that telegraphs to more young people that the more you, you take action about things you don't like, eventually these things get solved. All right. uh,
0: interesting one about that. Yoji, uh, do you want to add anything to that?
3: Well, um, I think you rightly answered it. So. Is the structure in place? Um, naturally, for human beings, uh, there's a tendency for you not to, for us not to want to do the right thing. So, for places that have worked, uh, simply put, is the fact that you know there are structures in place that easily make it uh, makes it impossible for you to do um, you know the wrong thing. So when you speak about the government and the fact that you know they get a position and um, they don't deliver as at um, what they've promised is simply because you know, there's a system in place or there's a structure in place that ensures that you know, for uh, every political leader that gets into position, you know, you're bound to, to live by your words. I, mean, I remember someone was saying that in Nigeria, is there anything actually that you can do or say that would you know, lead you to resigning? I don't know if it exists in our country except, you know, you're just personally touched and felt, and you just feel, oh, I I need to step down. So, I mean, we need to actually have that in place, you know. That that structure makes it easy for, you know, for leaders to be, you know, to be accountable regardless.
0: Okay, so I'm going to play the devil's advocate right now, and uh, because Remy had made a mention of the fact that if you don't see it to a conclusive end, and there's no reward for it, then you can lose hope. And and the reality is that in, in Nigeria currently, there are a lot of battles that are being fought that would not be won on the short term because of the magnitude of the problem. You know, so how do young people stay motivated to keep at it for how long it is? Because for example, take, take the, uh, the instance of stars. I could literally be driving home after this panel, and I could be stopped you know, for being a Yahoo boy because my laptop is in my bag right now. So how can we ensure that we stay motivated to keep And I, I want to just hear from anybody on the panel because it's not a short-term play that we're doing right now in terms of like, shaping the future of Nigeria. It's not something that's going to change in the next one year. It's not something that's going to change uh, immediately. We have to keep at it. So how can we ensure that we stay motivated and keep that, you know, that uh, problem-solving act towards changing the country to become more of what we want it to be like? Anybody can answer this question.
3: OK, first, I'll I go. I think really. we need to get to the level where you know, it's like there's no escape route. Um, Fortunately, fortunately, you know, there's the Canada route, you know, there's the US route and all the other routes. But um, I think as, you know, as citizens of this country, we need to get to that level where we are bent on the fact that we want to see things happen. Um, recently, in um, one of the Asian countries, I think that should be in Hong Kong, I remember, you know, the, the leader there came up with, you know, a policy that was not too friendly with the citizens. For months, I mean, for, for months, citizens of the country closed down airports. They were on the streets for months. Through, throughout December, I think up to January, I mean, we, we need to get to that level where we have you know, that uh, persistence and the consistency in what we're doing. And even as a community, uh, for global shippers, you know, each time we come up with initiatives to try to address some of these challenges, I mean, you get to a point where you feel like, I mean, I'm tired. Because there's always one challenge or the other to to want to address, but we really need to that, get to that level where, you know, we're consistent and it's like there is no escape, there is no Canada route. I mean, it's here, and we have to make it work, here. All yeah.
2: right. Uh, do you want to... Okay. I think that we cannot underestimate the importance of leadership in everything. Uh, maybe I might be wrong, but I doubt if there's any change that's happened by a very large mass of people. It's usually a committed few people that keep driving this change, and then the larger community joins in later. So if you you look at something um, as significant as the age where you can contest in Nigeria, not too young to run, a group of young people decided, no, we want to change this law. And it took a long time, a lot of effort. If it was was something that required everybody to do at once, I doubt it would have been successful. But because there was a court team that was driving this agenda, it was it was possible for it to be successful. So even this um, protest that you're talking about, there is always a court team behind who is driving this thing, who is ensuring that when people are tired, they are motivated enough to come out the next day. That's the, that's the that's the hardest way. Now the challenge in Nigeria is the people. Well, the people that can make this choice have decided that Nigeria is not worth this, sorry to say this, but Nigeria is not worth this trouble. stress. So people who can do these things have decided, oh, you know what, if this doesn't work for me, I'm going to go to Canada. If this doesn't work for me, I'm going to go and live in a gated estate. If this doesn't work for me, I'm going to carry um, security, you know, until people like that decide that, no, I need to fight this battle for, for the commonality of, of the people. That's when we'll get to where we're going to.
1: And I agree with you, to be honest, because if you think about even getting involved in the elections, like last year, for example, we had the lowest voter turnout, right? We had less than 40%, and that was even the the worst in in Africa. So we even need to get involved for once, right? If you look at uh, people who make the laws in our country, the lawmakers, people in the Senate, people in the House of Rep, How are we holding them accountable? Do we actually even know who's contesting? Because many times, we actually focus on the presidential elections and the state elections. And we often neglect people who we actually elect to run our our, our house of rep, right? So we need to get involved. We need to hold them accountable. We need to basically look at their profiles and see who actually has the best interest of Nigeria at heart, and then elect them to office and hold them accountable. So I think we need to get involved. It doesn't change overnight. There's no change, no major change that has happened overnight. We just need to keep at it and be very, very consistent. I think one day we would actually get there. And if you look at America, for example, who would have thought that would have Obama? I don't think anyone would have thought that would have had a black president in America. But we had that, and that has paved the way for more to come.
0: All right. Uh, so very quickly before we go to the audience to take their questions, I'm going to ask this question about the role of technology, right? So we've all highlighted these issues that we have about active participation in governance. You know, lowest voter turnout in years. In Africa, like like you said as well, what role can technology play towards you know ensuring better active you know uh, governance and active citizenship from Nigerians, and also in the development of the country? Because if you look at it right now, that, that there are myriads of problems from the healthcare sector to the education sector. How do you want to train? How do you want to educate 40 million, 50 million, 60 million people, and you don't have enough? You know, skilled teachers who are constantly being upgraded and who are motivated to even go the longer. How can we use the technology to leapfrog some of the challenges to develop the country and to, uh, uh, to ensure active uh, citizenship? So I will just you can just answer those questions. We can start from Yonju and then Ae before Remy. Then we'll go to the audience.
3: Okay. I'm also in the uh, financial inclusion space and um, addressing the big poverty challenge in Nigeria. One of the um, I would say, validated way of achieving that is financial inclusion. If you look at um, Kenya, for example, Kenya is probably home to the biggest success story when it comes to financial inclusion. And um, since the advent of that in the country, about four percent of the population in poverty has been lifted out of it. And when you talk of financial inclusion, what makes it possible is actually technology. So, I mean, uh, presently in I heard of about uh, 19 million bankable population, just about. Uh, 30, 30 something million a, a bank. So there's, there's a huge gap of, uh, of about fifty, fifty million pounds. But this uh, huge population can actually be financially included, and that's where technology comes into play. You know, we have different um, channels. I mean, like the introduction of uh, USSD by the, the telcos, for example, you know, helps to achieve that. So I, I, I believe that uh, technology actually is or will be uh, largely responsible for addressing uh, some of those. Um, Person, person issues. And I'm strongly convicted that um, the, the, the work of, you know, the telcos and the likes um, addressing financial inclusion, for example, is going to contribute largely to addressing uh, poverty challenge in Nigeria. So come to think of it in other areas, uh, education for instance. I mean, there's a lot that technology can do in education, especially access to digital skills. I mean, part of what uh, one of the initiatives that we're doing in the Global Shapers community. Uh, about two weeks ago, we launched um, a project we call Digitrate. you know, or the self-community in Lagos, in Ajegunle, where we set up computer library for, for schools there, uh, provide them with um, devices. I mean, you know, giving those kids the access to uh, the, the devices is a way of exposing them, you know, to... Uh, yeah, to the future, so what the future of work looks like, preparing them for you know, for the future of work. They're able to, it, it's, it's going to help a lot uh, for their for their studies, you know, introducing them to the use of internet, you know, for research and for their studies. And so imagine we replicate that in all the different sectors, or we're able to even scale up what we're doing. Imagine how the schools in Nigeria, the secondary schools, um, all the teenagers, they have access, to digital device, imagine what impact that would have greatly on the population. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much for that. Uh, Ellie?
1: Okay, so I think technology has a huge impact on development, so especially on two areas, lower cost models and then scale. The fact that it can reach so many people at the same time at a low cost. So for example, if we look at one the initiative that Union Bank has sponsored, the Girls Coding Camp, so what we've done here is to basically train young girls in underserved communities in coding skills, programming skills, and technical skills. So one of them, for example, one of the girls, she basically produced an app called Makoko Fresh, right? And this was basically trying to create an e-commerce platform where she could actually make sure that her, her, the fishermen in her community, her, her father, her uncles who were fishing, could actually get their products to people who were interested in buying fish. So there, you already, you already created employment for them They've been lifted out of poverty, and this is at the result of the technology that this young girl has developed through that empowerment program that we have. Um, secondly, you have, for example, areas where technology has helped education. So again, we sponsored the EdTech Challenge last year, where we found some people doing really, really brilliant things with technology and improving education. So for example, we had someone who had a small device. You don't need internet to access this. They put a lot of educational content in there, and you could actually go to the rural communities to share this content so that they can actually gets involved and gets knowledgeable about the skills and trends that you need to succeed in the future. So I think technology has a very, very big role to play. We all need to embrace it. We all need to encourage people who have ideas. And I think doing this collectively will move Nigeria forward. All
0: right, thank you very much. So, Remy, your comments before we go to
2: the audience. I have a slightly different take. Um, and it's that technology, at least in, on the macro level of the, go- of the country, technology is an enabler. It's only as good as the people who are adopting the technology. So you can have all this tech that allows you to educate a mass of people at the same time. People who are in charge don't adopt that technology, then that technology is only on paper. So it's really about who is making those decisions of the technology that you want to use. That, that, that's what I think. Um, okay, I'll add
1: to that. So basically, I think that in terms of technology, so for example, let's use o or O-Ride or GoCada for example. This technology took so many people out of poverty, right, before the ban, obviously. But if you know how many people were employed as a result of that technology, even if you didn't have a smartphone there, are cheaper phones, techno phones that you can actually use to get people economically included. Because, I mean, this talk on financial inclusion, if people are not economically included, how do you go to them and say, please open a savings account? It wouldn't make sense. Or how would you sell to them, for example? So people need to be economically included first. And I think even just getting people knowledgeable about what technology can do for you, how technology can lift you out of poverty, get them to actually use technology to improve their lives. So I think it's very, very important, and we need to all embrace it. OK,
0: them. thank you very much. Uh, so we're going to be coming to the audience. Uh, I know that a couple of people might have had questions over the past 45 minutes that you want to ask our panelists. So we're just going to, by a show of hands, can you signify if you have any questions, then I can so one, two, three, four, one more, and uh five, so one, two, three, four, and five
1: hi this one uh, I'm live, so this one is for from the community online, so they said um." If someone said that, someone on the panel said that uh, the method of change that works in Nigeria is like by group. So a small group starts something, and then that's how we actually get things to work in Nigeria. So if there is uh, such a small group, it, that's, this question is for Ehe. How can you like band together investors? Speaking to your position as the head of um, investor relations at the Union Bank, how can you band investors together to, you know, push that small group. OK, thank you for that. I guess if I were to recap, so basically, if we're talking about making change in small groups, how do we attract investors to that cause, right? OK, great. So again, I think it depends on the platform that we pull people to. Um, I gave an example of the EdTech challenge, where we basically went out saying who had an idea to solve education, to solve agriculture, to solve healthcare. Right. So based on that, we see a lot of participation across Nigeria. It's never, ever Lagos-centric, There are people from all around the states in Nigeria that come together to participate. And so what we do is we then bring them to a stage where we have, for example, at our EG360 event, where we already have investors present in that area, and then we basically showcase them, showcase their solutions to the audience. And from that, we've seen people actually engage and go on to develop partnerships with these investors who we'll end up even investing in them going forward. Right, So, I think that the more platforms we can create that bring these groups together, the more we can showcase what they have to offer, and the more investors can come together to release funding, even in terms of capacity building as well, to help them grow.
0: Can we just take the other questions in batch so that we can answer them at once? All right? Okay.
1: Uh, You talked about a, like, you went to a community, you gave some student phones and other things like that. Okay, How sure can you evaluate that? The phones you give to the student, they are going to make good use of it. That's my question number one. And question number two, I'm a, girl's, I'm a girl advocate. I advocate on girls' issues, like issues they face in their different communities. So why do we find it difficult? Or like why do, does it take a long period of time to create change in a particular community?
2: The
0: next question. So let us back the questions and then Thank you.
4: My question goes this way. Now we are talking about technology and the people who are, are in the corridor of the power, they can't even access. They can't even operate ordinary adred phone. And we are talking about you want to like go into internet. And these are the people that are going to put they are going to implement it. And the people who are selling this thing, the this stuff too, they don't even know anything about it. I could remember one of the uh, election, we are trying to go into uh, online, whatever this and this and that. But the, 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 uh, whatever, I'm not sure they even know the importance of it.
0: Okay, so was what, the.
4: What's no, the my own question is this: How do we educate all these our leaders? The leaders are the people at the Corridor of the Powers. Okay, we like, we, we are just coming, we, we our generation is just an internet generation, but our generation is outdated generation. Now, how do we solve this problem? How do we merge this together? Thank okay. you.
0: Okay. All right, thank you very much. I think there's one more person here. Yeah. It's this guy here, and uh, sorry. the... Sorry. The guy in yellow, I think, and, and the man in chat. Two of them. Okay. Yeah.
5: Thank you. Hello. I think the... We want to. We, we keep on pushing the game to the people at the ends of our fear. The new digital age has given us opportunity to play whatever we want to play, with without limit. In some countries today, they re- restrict people's access to connectivity. Iran, Iraq, and some other countries because of the fear of people having access to. Hear their voice, without. I don't think there's anybody that, that is more than that is up to 50 years in this all. If you are still waiting for anybody to change the world we are, then we are kidding. We have the 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 cake and the knife, with as little as 10,000 other phone you can reach anywhere anywhere in the world, and you can tweet any leader. Now let's take Nigerian population that is more than 60% youth. Today, 200 million we have comfortably. And Nigerian internet penetration today is 61%. For crying out loud, every year we are growing 14, more than 14%. More than 50% of this population is youth. So who else are you waiting for? You have the power already. Yeah. So is, you so have the tool to fight the battle. Okay. So if somebody is waiting for any battle to be fought by anybody, I think we are most blessed nation. OK. Thank so you very now, much. if uh, the question, Red, the question. All right. with respect, yeah. I think I want to take Red to, th- to the challenge. Okay. You have to lead the battle and let people. Did you see how All much? All right, but, but
0: sorry, we have limited time, so you have to get straight to the question. Yes, we And yes. we have to answer everybody with okay. so respect to everybody. Okay. So please, very Okay,
5: let you roll out the roadmap. Okay. And I think let's come back in a year and see how, much, how far we have gone.
0: Okay. Enough of this talk. Okay. Thank you. All right, thank you very much. So that's. Uh, thank you very much for that. The final question before we take the answers from the panelists, please be yes, very short.
6: Thank you very yeah. much, Mfonbasi is my name. Question, Oye, yeah. All right. Please, I I have overheard you talk about bank, your banking sector that is the Union Bank go into social development, uh, donating some materials, phones, and other things to some people in the community, and uh, the. The basic problem that we have in Nigeria today is capital. To commence a business or to put into an existing business. And one of the greatest we have as an entrepreneur is if you approach a bank to give you capital to expand or start up your business, maybe you have a functional business. And one of the greatest problems that we have is the, what the bank asks you to bring, like the certificate of occupancy and other things which you might not afford. But my question is, as an experienced banker and a professional, do we have other ways to get rid of this? OK.
0: All right. Thank you very much for your question. So very quickly, we're going to take the, uh, the, the questions. I think the last one was directed to EAE. Yeah. And then we also had the gentleman over there uh, asking us, how can we actually take our leaders, you know, how can we educate them to be to be updated about the use of technology to govern the, the populace, so that would be to Remy and Yonchu. Know, and then finally, we have the lady over there asking the question about how do you track, how do you monitor, you know, the funds that you allocate to these girls to develop project? How do you ensure that, you know, it is used just for the right purpose? So very quickly, uh,
2: two minutes each. Okay, um, there's no one answer. You can either spend all your energy trying to educate the people that you've elected in power. Which, based on what has happened, is not succeeding, or you can go out there, pick a form, get a bunch of your friends, go into the big parties, crowd them out, get elected into office. that's a much more sustainable because you're a digital native, you're, you're original. this you grew up on phones, you know how these things work so it's not a big leap for you to understand that you can have a video conferencing tool that can allow you to teach hundreds of thousands of people at the same time. That's not a new concept to you. So if I were to advise, that's a more sustainable um, approach. Or you can try to change old men in the ways that they are already stuck with. All
0: right. do you have a perspective
3: to that? Yeah, I think the other approach is um, citizen action and um, it's the approach of you know, the Global Shapers Committee, for instance. So you want to educate the leaders, you want them to do this certain thing. Why not just have a test case? So we have um, the project I mentioned earlier, the digit rates that, you that know, we gave out uh, devices to schools, set up the library, and we're offering uh, basic digital skills training. Imagine after the eight weeks, I, I remember at the launch. One of the, the girls we met was actually touching a laptop for the first time in her life. That's a girl of about 14 years. So imagine after the eight weeks, and we're able to talk about the success story of the training. It's easy for, for us to approach you know, the uh, community chair, I mean, the local government chairman to say, or the Ministry of Education to say, this is what we think we should be doing as regards education in secondary school, because we have done this, we've carried out this project, and this is the success story. I mean, another example is um, one project will be launching this, Saturday, um, pl- we call it plastic to resources. It's just like a, it's a social engineering project. You know, you are, we're able to um, speak to people about the need you know, to address the plastic waste in the country. So imagine we start a project where we encourage people to, you know, to collect plastic on our behalf, you know, and we're able to uh, use plastic for, you know, for better use. After that, with the success story we get from that, you know, it's easy for us to go to the Ministry of Environment and say, OK, this is the approach to solving the plastic waste in the state. So I think citizen action is one approach to ensuring that leaders are educated.
0: All right. Thank you very much. So basically, creating the solution to the problem, exactly. executing it on a scale, and then engaging the stakeholders for that. So very quickly, hey, hey, can you give okay, us so there the There
1: were two questions, questions. one on um, funding for girls and then yeah. how we track progress. So we don't give funds directly to the girls, right? They're um, associations or communities that actually bring these girls together. And then we fund the people managing these societies, right? So for example, the example I gave on the Girls Coding Camp, that's already an institution, Pearls Africa Foundation. And so we support them via funds, but we're measuring what the outcomes are from the girls based on what applications they develop, and how we can even help them to scale those solutions to more customers. So that's on the funding piece. Um, Something else that we do is on actually mentoring these girls because they have problems, like you said, that they want to share. Um, They go through some experiences that maybe are not favorable. We actually mentor them, and we have these mentors in the bank that actually spend time every month, every quarter, to actually sit down with the girls and talk to them about what experiences they're sharing or that they're experiencing and how we can help them move their lives forward. So that's on the girls. Gentleman asked about capital and how you can get access to capital. So at the bank, we have um, a proposition for SMEs that you can actually access capital of up to 10 million naira without collateral, right? So we're actually empowering SMEs by providing. We know, obviously, the pain that you feel when you want to access a loan. And we're making this, we're basically removing the burden from that to provide capital and funding to SMEs. But more importantly, we want to also Couple that with capacity building, so we're giving you the trainings that you need to move your business forward because that's very important in managing the funds and knowing where and how to deploy them so that you're a sustainable business going forward. So those are some of the ways that we're empowering SMEs um, and you can approach Union Bank. You can talk to me after if you want to. All right.
0: All right. Thank you very much for that. Uh, So before we round up this session, thank you very much for your questions. I would just like to take one final word from each of our panelists. You have... 30 seconds, and I'm going to be very strict on this. 30 seconds to just tell us about anything you want to share with the audience as a as a final as a passing note for. The, okay, we want to start. With
1: oh, okay. okay, I mean we've heard the stats, right? They're very startling. There are close to 90 million people living in poverty. Um, if you look at power, about 40% don't even have access to power at all, right? There are a lot of maternity and children, diseases that are still affecting productivity in our communities. So these are big issues that we all need to come together to solve. I think there's a clarion call, public sector, private sector, all of us in the room. We need to work together, we need to collaborate to change Nigeria because it can't happen without all of us in the room. We all need to make that decision and take action to make the change that will drive the change that we want to see in Nigeria. Thank you.
3: Yeah, so the, the belief of the uh, World Economic Forum, and which pert uh, the Global Shapers Committee, is the fact that young people are central to lasting change and central to driving policy. And uh, I want to leave that as a charge uh, to us. I mean, I, I can say that we have a vast majority of our young population here. And it's the fact that, regardless of where we are, uh, a colleague of mine was asking me last week, saying, oh, Um, how can I contribute? There's no way I can join the global shapers community. I mean, you don't have to join the global shapers community to make impact. Uh, Wherever you have, whatever field you have, whatever it is that you're doing, um, there's a little uh, effort or impact that you can actually be making to ensure that you're solving the problems, the many challenges that you see in the community. So um, let's have that at the back of our mind that as uh, young people, we are central to actually driving the lasting change. So we need to take on that responsibility on ourselves and in our little space, you know, let's take action with the little influence we have uh, even around us in our community. Let's take a deliberate steps step to address the challenges we have and not just complain only.
2: Thank you. Once we understand that there's nobody that's coming to save us, then we'll take the wheels of Nigeria and remove it from autopilot. Say that again. Once we understand that there's nobody that's coming to save us, We'll take the wheels of Nigeria and remove it from autopilot. All
0: right, thank you very much. If I said that, I would have dropped the mic immediately after that. Uh, but thank you very much to all our panelists for taking time out of your busy schedules to come around and share inside with us today on the very, very important conversation of how we can change our country. Uh, for all of us, we all have to commit to trying the best we can to influence people within our own, you know, uh, network as well to be more proactive about engaging in these kind of conversations. And I think together, we know that together, we can all create a better future for uh, Nigeria. So a round of applause once again for E.Yonju and uh, Remy. Thank you very much for coming around today. Uh, It's been a wonderful session, and we, we hope you had a great time. A round of applause for you two as well, the audience. Thank you very much. All right, uh, we've come to the end of the panel session, and uh, you can still follow the conversations online uh, using the hashtag #ShapeNigeria and uh, #ShapeAfrica2020. You can follow the Lagos Orb, uh Lagos Shapers on Twitter and f- Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Follow us and follow the community to know what The OP is doing to change the state of the world in Lagos and Nigeria as a whole. And The OP is also uh, organizing an event, which is Shape Africa, in May. And there's going to be quite a lot of conversations on how we can also engage all these policymakers to really drive the needle. So engaging private sector leaders, public sector leaders, to basically commit towards changing things, changing policies, because we can't keep going the way we have. So uh, with this, uh, I'm officially bringing the session to an end. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, do have a wonderful day. Thank you.